everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but she's a match from Podmatch. She's a writer, a blogger, a pastor's wife, and a homeschool kid turned homeschool mom. It's Alicia Luca Dean. Hi, Alicia. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. What else would you like to share with the listeners about yourself? So I am from the Pacific Northwest, the greater Seattle area. I grew up on an island here, and I still live on an island here, just a different one now. I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I island life is in my blood. <laughs> I grew up going to church and I accepted Jesus at a very young age. And um, my home life was very chaotic though, growing up, despite kind of growing up in the church. And I just have had to learn to look for God in ways that maybe not a lot of people had to growing up. And um, I found that scripture just resonated with me the the truth in scripture and the promises that God gave to his people how it just portrays the heart of God and shows his love for humanity and for us and how he longs to just enter into our stories and sit in them with us and and heal us and um I definitely did not want to become a pastor's wife that was <laughs> I really tried really hard not to do. I asked my husband four times when we were dating, do you want to be a pastor? He said, no, definitely not. And I said, great, but you do want to like, you know, go to church and like be involved in a church. And he said, oh yeah. And I thought, perfect. That's the pe- the best balance. And then here we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of just happened. And my husband is honestly so, so gifted as a pastor and it it was a journey for sure for us but I love where we're at right now and um I love the story that God's given us. Yes, thank you for sharing that. I'm curious as to well I have a couple questions. So, which island do you mind sharing like what are the islands that you're referring to where you live? Yeah, so it's in the Puget Sound. So, in that okay. little that inlet um of Washington, there's like the peninsula that sticks out and then it kind of goes down um, to like Seattle and Olympia, but I grew up on Camino Island. And then right now I live on Fidalgo Island. They're both islands. You don't need, you can get on onto them from a bridge. So you don't need to take a ferry onto them. There are islands that can only be accessed by ferry, but, um, that's a little bit too much for me. So, uh, (laughs) I, I live on an Island that you just cross a bridge and you're on an Island, but I, I love being surrounded by the water and, always smelling salt in the air. It's my favorite. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to knock all 50 states off my like list before I turn 50. And I still have like, I still have plenty of time, but I also have like probably eight or nine left And Washington state is on my list. So I would love to, and I love that you, you don't have to take a ferry over. I think that probably makes it a little bit easier. Like you said, to, to just drive over a bridge versus the ferry. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The ferries can be fun. Like you can see some really cool stuff. Sometimes you can see orcas or porpoises, whales, but, um, yeah, it kind of just, it kind of just depends on what Island you want to go to and travel on and where you want to see, but it is gorgeous Mm -hmm. here. It's gorgeous here. 
I'll have to put that on my list when I when I make it up there. And then my other question, I guess, was about you ref- referenced like not wanting to be a pastor's wife. Is that just because of the commitments that both you and your husband have being like in charge of a church? Um, it's a lot of things. Like God had to really <laughs> on my heart. I had growing up in church at twelve. My pastor growing up said, "Wow, Alicia would make a really great pastor's wife," and that just made me so angry. Yeah, and um, I thought how dare you? And, um, and so then I decided I wasn't going to be a pastor's wife. So my stubbornness came out at that very moment. Um, but I just, I thought it would be annoying. (laughs) So obviously Mm -hmm. I had a lot of maturing to do. I just, I thought the expectations would be unreasonable. I didn't want to feel like I had to share my husband all the time. Um, and it's a lifestyle. It really is. And so I just didn't, I thought it would be I thought it would be a lot more demanding, but here's the thing. If you're in a healthy church, that job looks a lot different than when you're in an unhealthy church. And mm-hmm. um, there's obviously things that come up, right? Like a, a tragedy or a death or somebody that just needs you. Or we had a really hard thing happen in our church several years ago where two children died in a house fire. And mm-hmm. there was no place I would rather be at that at that time than sitting with those people. um, Mm -hmm. And, and so there is, there are components where it's like, you don't really always know what your day is going to look like, but that's okay because our love for people is so great and we just want to be with them. And so I think, like I already said, God really had to work on my heart and change my perspectives and just help me see that this um, is a job, but it's also a calling. And it's okay mm-hmm. for it to be both. And just it it's just like any other job that's a lifestyle type of job. It has seasons and they come and go. And some seasons are really easy and really fun and full of growth and great worship. And other seasons are really hard, like when you lose two kids in a house fire. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's a very sacred calling, I think, that God's place on my husband and I think he's honestly just really good at it so I see that in him and we we're in a great spot right now so it's we we love where we're at well thank you for sharing that I just yeah I can see that I um I am a Catholic so our priests don't get married and probably for like that you know I know that's one of the reasons is that it is like it would be hard for the whole family you know like I mean if if it, so like you're signing up for it too when when he's signing yeah. up for it and then I I can relate to like what you were saying about when you were 12 and the your pastor saying yes. that to you I had a I had a nun a nun in Catholic school say to me like I think you know you might have a religious calling and I I was like no and I got so mad and I like stomped out of her classroom and I I did end up like discerning religious life like I I entered a convent when my 20 but I ended up not staying, but I did like try it out. So anyways, I think it's funny that both wow. of us, people saw that in us and then. <laughs> oh man, you know, that stubbornness us. is like so good, right? It's like the grit that gets you through life and helps you like get through hard seasons, but you also have to crawl that in and let, you know, the Holy Spirit do some work yeah. on you sometimes. <laughs> Exactly. And sometimes we make it harder for ourselves because if we would have just listened rather than like buck against it, at least in my case, you know. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. Um, What I'm going to have you do next is read the passage that you've chosen. And you've chosen Jeremiah 29 verses 12. Are we doing 13 and 14? Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14, whenever you're ready. Okay, so I'm reading it out of the NLT version. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. All right. I love this verse. And I just want to give a little kind of context. So right before this verse is a very famous verse, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, And we actually had an episode on that verse in season two of the show where one of my good friends talked about it and how it applied to her life. But the verses that you've picked are also equally beautiful. So I'm surprised that we don't talk about them more. I, I love Jeremiah 29, 11, but these verses are so beautiful. And this is uh, during the time period of the Babylonian exile. So when yes. these verses reference like being gathered, people being gathered from other nations, it's because they literally were scattered at this time, like being taken yes. captive, some of them to Babylon. And so God is through Jeremiah promising the people that they will once again be in their their homeland, um, which is a very beautiful sentiment. And there's so much beautiful about about this verse. But my first question for you is just why did you choose this verse, Alicia? This verse came to me a little bit later in life, but um, I've always been a very curious person. I've always had a lot of hard questions about the world and life and God and I think sometimes my parents didn't know what to do with me growing up because I would I would just ask really hard questions and I wanted to know God deeply even as a child and when I went to college I started taking my first Bible classes and I started having a a lot of doubts about my faith. I started learning things that I had never learned about before. I kind of knew I kind of knew more than like maybe most people going into that class, but there was still so much I didn't know. I didn't know about the canonization of scripture. I didn't know about um, like the um, all the manuscripts and 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 oral tradition and how things were recorded by scribes. And I started just having a lot of doubts and thinking, wow, like maybe my faith isn't as unshakable as I thought it was, or maybe what if my beliefs that I've had my whole life, like what if they can't stand up? And, um, that was really scary to me because being a Christian was who I was. And, um, I went through this season, almost a year of just really intense doubt. And there were some seasons that I, or some moments during that season that I thought, I don't know if I'm going to come out of this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep believing all this stuff. And then I discovered C.S. Lewis and I started just binge reading all of his stuff. (laughs) And I read Mere Christianity and it was so beautiful and met me exactly where I was and needed to be. I needed to have apologetics, but I didn't really know that at the time. I, all the questions I was asking, there were answers for them, but I, I needed two things. I needed to see who God was throughout history and in the making of the Bible and in, in the evidence of our faith. 
but I also just needed to know that I wasn't alone in it and that God wasn't bothered by my wrestling because I wasn't, I wasn't like picking apart my faith from a place of rebellion or um, like bitterness. I truly was wrestling with my faith. And I came across this scripture years later after I was married and had already been through my first really intense season of doubt. And I've had others since. Um, and this scripture, I actually have it. My, my husband gave me this beautiful gift years ago of a handmade leather Bible cover. And I have this mm. verse engraved on the back of my Bible cover because I have just clung to this verse through my seasons of doubt. And it reminds me that God is so steadfast and he's not, he's not afraid of us. Like, I know that sounds weird, but that has been one of the most profound things I've ever come to realize about God, that he is not afraid of our doubts or our weaknesses or our struggles or the things we don't know yet or our stories or anything that's happened to us. It just, the list goes on, but specifically in the area of doubting your faith, He's not afraid of that. And those are the seasons that I've really clung to this verse and just said, God, who you were back then with to your people speaking this scripture, you were promising them. You were showing them who you were. You were showing them that you are steadfast, that when they search for you, they will find you and that you're not abandoning them. And that is who you are. And that's who I want you to be for me too. And I never, um, you know, I think sometimes when you hear these verses, people will say, oh, well, God was talking to the Israelites back then. And, and I say, yes, absolutely. But it does, these verses show God's character and his heart for the people that he loves and his heart for humanity as well. And he invites people into that story. And, and I'm one of those people. And and I want this and I, I want to be in this story. And I have had a, a few seasons of just a lot of doubt and I've had to just go back over what I know to be true and remind myself of how God doesn't just ask us to trust blindly. There's always going to be a faith element, of course, but there's so much evidence for what we believe and for how scripture came to be and for the resurrection and um, for miracles. And I love that about our faith Mm -hmm. and a few other books that I've read are just a case for Christ and a case for faith. Those books have been really powerful to me in my journey and just learning more about apologetics and not being afraid to ask questions and knowing that it's okay. It's given me so much confidence in what I believe and why. Thank you for sharing all of that. I I think it's such a beautiful sentiment um, because I think a lot of us do have doubts and sometimes we're afraid. Like you mentioned, like your identity, obviously we take like so much of our identity in a lot of things, but if we're as Christians, that's a huge part of who we are. And so I've definitely been there. I can relate to moments where maybe I've questioned and then it, then it kind of spins you into the spiral of like, but my identity is in this. So you're not alone in that. And then you reference, you know, CS Lewis who also asked all these questions. And these are questions that we look throughout scripture that just have been continually asked. 
But yet we're still kind of like the Israelites. Um, I've talked a lot on this podcast about like when the Israelites in Exodus are going through the desert and they have all this evidence like we've just like you just kind of described. Um, But yet we we still don't really trust or believe, you know, and, you know, that was true then. And it's true now of like us in our own personal lives. You know, you you and I can each probably point to things in our lives where we know God is there. Like you mentioned, like the scripture is like always very grounding for you. Mm -hmm. But yet even with all this evidence, we still (laughs) we still that which is, you know, it's fine. And I think it's good that you bring up that we should not embrace it, but like be okay with it because God is okay with it. Like God is not intimidated by our doubts or asking questions as long as we don't stop seeking him. I think the danger is when we like stop asking the questions and then we just resign ourselves to, you know, not having the answers or, you know, just kind of getting different. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if you wanted to respond to any of that. Sorry. Yeah. I, I just think, uh, I mean, moving into like, the New Testament books, when Jesus ans- when people ask Jesus questions, genuine questions, he answers them always. Yeah. Um, he, he not never- always as straightforward as I would like though. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but he does like, he never says like, how dare you ask this question? He, um, mm-hmm. but when people are asking, you know, when the Pharisees are asking questions, it's, the issue isn't necessarily their question. It's their hearts always. Right. And, and it's why they're asking the questions and their motivations. And so they weren't there to, they're not genuinely curious. They aren't trying to understand God better. They're trying to bait Jesus and trap him and um, get him to say something blasphemous so that they can arrest him or whatever. And I think that's a really good thing to remember. And even for people who are a little more, um, maybe like legalistic, cause that's kind of how I grew up a little bit. Um, just, this is what we believe and you don't ask a ton of questions. And I think it's good for those churches and people who kind of lean towards that to remember too, that Jesus was so gracious. And we see that that theme throughout scripture of answering questions. Um, and we also see the theme of people doubting and, and, you know, King David even just constantly reminding himself of what God has done and his goodness and his faithfulness. And that's part of why we gather weekly and worship together is to remind ourselves of, God's faithfulness to us and his goodness and that we can worship him through every season, good or bad. And he's mm-hmm. there for it all. Yeah. That's a really beautiful point about that. You bring about like church community. I know um, in the Catholic church, you know, we struggle, I think all the time about our rituals and uh, yeah, people wanting to kind of do their own personal devotions, but we're, we're there to be in community. And sometimes we don't always feel it. Sometimes, you know, we've been in services where it's just like, we're kind of going through the motions. Um, So I think that is a good, good reminder to, I don't want to say, I kind of don't want to butcher what you said before, but that idea that community itself should be a reminder to us of like his presence and his works. And, and that's why we're there is to gather and to remember. I I liked that you said that. I think that's another, because yeah, I I don't know if you feel this probably in your other Christian circles too, but just sometimes we Catholics, we get so wrapped up in like, you got to kneel here and you got to stand there. And it's like, you have to do it this way. And it's like, but uh, can we just like let the spirit move a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I wonder, I want, one of my questions for you is, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned that the verse right before this is so famous and then we kind of stop and I don't know, what do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think maybe we don't go further or why do you think this part is maybe as looked at? This is more a commentary on just us and like where we're at, um, like Christianity wise and like our culture a little bit. But I think the whole idea of, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not Mm -hmm. to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Like that's beautiful. But a lot of like that is God responding to us. And I feel like the next verses that follow are us kind of responding to God. Like Mm. him saying, when you search for me, you will find me. When you look for me with your whole heart, you will find me. And there, I think, is just this idea that faith should be easy. And it's obviously not. We know that it's not. Like when we think about the great um, heroes of the faith, like Mother Teresa or Corey Ten Boom or um, Jonathan Edwards, like they wrestled through things really, really hard things and really, really hard questions. And we like how their story ends, but not necessarily how they get there. And Mm. this whole passage, it's all together. Like it's all in one. And it's reminding us that this is a relationship with God. It's Mm -hmm. not just us or just him. It's both of us. And he's the one who's perfect and holy. And he's always open and there and ultimately it's us who kind of we get the free will to decide how we respond to that and that's kind of I mean there are different philosophies on how that works with um uh free will and all of that but Mm -hmm. um at least for how this scripture is portraying it and speaking to the Israelites and everything that they've been through and um, this impending um, invasion of the Babylonians and Jeremiah witnessing his city be captured and fall and, and his people be taken off. Like that's so heartbreaking and traumatic and just it's, there's almost like no words for how much suffering is involved in all of that. And yet here's God saying, I'm here and my plans Mm -hmm. for you are good, but that's not where it ends. You find me when you search for me, when you look Mm -hmm. for me. And, and, and then that final verse is like God promising that, the people of Israel that he's going to restore their homeland and gather them back from the nations, which is kind of like what we've seen in the last, you know, 80 years or so, just with the nation of Israel being reestablished. And, um, I, my, one of my husband's best friends has worked in Israel at a Bible school there. And he just believes so deeply that, this is kind of like the prophecy of this scripture being fulfilled is like what's kind of happening now and, and God turning the hearts of 
of his people back towards him. And it's, it's really beautiful to see how faithful God is and how he has just clung to the, the Israelite people for all of this time and their story, their story isn't over yet. And Mm -hmm. it's a reminder that it's the same for us. Like, that God stays. He stays through generations and through nations invading you and mm-hmm. through through mm-hmm. just unspeakable pain and he never lets go. Absolutely. Now you said so many beautiful things again there. And I like how you answered my question that I think the first part, and this is so like, I feel like American and 21st century of us to be so excited about like what God can provide for us. But then like the latter part that you're picking, it's like, we have to do that work though. It's not just going to be handed to us. I mean, it is God. He he, he can hand it to us and he, yes. you know, but like we, he, it's a relationship as you mentioned. So like the latter half of that is, but we have to do our part. We have to seek him with our whole hearts. And that's much easier yes. said than done. Um, I think this verse is so timely because I think, you know, I mentioned sharing, I've had my moments of doubt. You mentioned your moments of doubt. And I think a lot of people right now do have a lot of doubt within the various churches. Um, So what might you say to those who are struggling um, and questioning their faith or questioning the church right now? Yeah, I would just say, I believe that there are answers for your questions. Um, I, I don't think that our faith is blind. I believe there's so much evidence for what we believe and why. And I mentioned some really great resources, um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, A Case for Christ, A Case for Faith. Those are all great books. There's some amazing apologists um, that have YouTube channels. And it's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to be like, wait, how do I know the Bible is true? How do I know that these stories are accurate? Um, There's a new book out. um, It's called Is Atheism Dead? And um, it's by Eric Metaxas. That book was incredible. It goes through so much like archaeological evidence and the the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which was crazy. I can't even, that's like a whole podcast. <laughs> but I learned so much about that. It was really, really cool. Um, just like how they were preserved and like the exact temperature and moisture levels and how far back in the cave they were. Like it all came into play. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, like there is so much evidence for what we believe, more evidence than any other faith or belief system out there. And I've had people say to me um, that like, you know, what if, what if, you know, none of this is true? Like, what if there's no such thing as God? And it's just, I mean, C.S. Lewis said, atheism turns out to be too simple because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if there was no meaning to life, we would never have found out that there was no meaning to life. And I, I love that quote, but I've also had people say, what if there is no God? What if we're all just like creating this to find meaning in life? And I, I always just come back to thinking if there is no God, there are a lot of just crazy people in the world (laughs) because Mm -hmm. like if the Holy Spirit isn't real, then I think I'm literally insane. Like (laughs) all the time, you know feeling like God prompt me toward things or um, that the Holy Spirit tells me things like that is not normal, you know? And so um, there has to be something there. And if there's something there, if there is a God, if there is 
something eternal and it then of course it would matter and of course it would he would want to be known and um it's our culture is just so inundated right now with this idea that you can just sort of be spiritual but not religious you can sort of believe what works for you and um at the end of the day if there's such a being as an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God, he would not be so unknowable. And otherwise, we wouldn't even be able to say that. And so God is worth knowing, and it's okay to have lots and lots of questions, and Mm. it's okay to dig for the answers. Amen. Yeah, I know. And and I, I know it's hard right now because there's, I think there's so much information, you know, and that could be a whole nother podcast for another time too, you know, there's just so many other messages that were being sent. But um, I always go back to that, that this is not a new thing. Like there throughout time mm-hmm. have been various messages and challenges and temptations. And so I always go back to, to scripture as well. And like St. Paul and just, you know, if they if they did it, you know, we can do it. And um, and I think this verse is also a really good reminder. So thank you for bringing it to us. Are there any final kind of like thoughts you want us to take away from this verse as we wrap up? Um, I would just say that, yes, this verse kind of tells us that it's okay to look for God and strive after him. But it also just is a really beautiful reminder that, God loves us through that and and in those questions and he he is literally saying in this passage I want you to look for me wholeheartedly. I want you mm-hmm. to search after me and um I think there's so much comfort and and beauty in that just knowing that he's our heavenly father and we're safe with him and and it's okay for us to go on this journey. Amen. Well, thank you for picking this verse and for sharing with us. And um, at the end, I'd like to give guests an opportunity to plug or promote anything. So are there any projects you'd like us to check out and where can we find you? There is a project. Um, (laughs) It has almost nothing to do with this um, conversation, but I am a writer, like you said earlier, and I just finished writing my first novel. It, um, it, it sounds a little bit silly to say this, but it's Christian, but it's a murder mystery that deals with human trafficking and um, tells the stories of two women affected by human trafficking and how they kind of find God and find healing in their stories. And it's set in the Pacific Northwest and based off several true stories. And um, it's, I just published it like a month and a half ago. It's doing really well on Amazon. Um, So you can find that on Amazon. It's called Until the Darkness Turns to Light. And it's kind of just a call to action for believers to get involved in this fight um, to end human trafficking. Oh, that's so awesome. I love, I love that. I think that's so cool. I, I have a goal one day to be a writer, maybe one day. And I love how you took like obviously an issue that needs our attention and like put it in the, with the backdrop of like a place that you're familiar with. And so you use like real stories to inspire you. Yeah. I use several real stories. I interviewed 
several detectives and first responders to kind of make the story more accurate. And then um, at the back of the book, I have a whole essay that tells a bunch of true stories and then talks about like the statistics around human trafficking and what can be done about it and the organizations that are kind of have boots on the ground Mm -hmm. already in this fight that you can support. Um, And then there's like a reader's guide in the back and then a list of resources as well for victims of trafficking and sexual abuse for them to have books and, and resources and um, things that they would want in their healing journey. Wow. That is amazing. And and that's such important work. And um, I think everyone should definitely check that out. What was the title of the book again? It's called Until the Darkness Turns to Light. Awesome. Well, you all can find uh, any on, on Amazon. And is there any social media you'd like us to follow? Or yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have a blog called She Writes It Plain, and that's my Instagram handle. But you can also just look look up my name, Alicia Luca Dean, and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, if you all would like to follow me, I'm on Instagram as well at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out. I'm also on Twitter at Mistruckley1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1, where I tweet what's going on in my classroom about some of the activities in Catholic education. Um, but Alicia, thank you again for sharing this verse with us and uh, having this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Bye, everyone.